okay, so uh, Zoe just took us through another couple of albums, um, and we're moving on to 2013 and The Glass Trunk. Um, I mean, most of the comments I've written down for this, I, I talked about in the previous segment about Americana and sort of, it'll be put down as weird folk. This would be on a weird folk album, right? I'm sure there was there were complicate complications compilations called Weird Folk, and then this oh, this would fit right in there. Or, or or am I again missing the target as normal Zoe? No, I think that's pretty accurate. Actually, um, I think one of the things to remember about Richard Dawson is that a lot of this stuff he performs it live and he performs it a cappella. So I think when when this album comes up, as much as I love it. I think it doesn't really do some of this stuff justice because when you've got like a pursuit um, bellowing man stripped to the waist sort of belting out these songs, you can imagine the impact they would have. Stop laughing. I'm feeling a bit sensitive because <laughs> I had a bit of a fruity dream about Richard. I, I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing at the concept. I'm, <laughs> la- I, I can, I'm, I'm not good at picturing things in my head. I'm, my wife is well aware. I, I don't have a very good... I, if somebody says, oh, that character didn't look like who I, how I pictured him, I just go, I pictured shape that said character. But you just described that and instantly I just saw bellowing... Slightly, I, you didn't say sweat, but in my head, there's sweat. There's definitely, um, I'm sure there's sweat. <laughs> there's definitely sweat. Yeah. Sorry, this has taken an unusual turn. I love Richard Dawson, but I don't love him in that way. I just want to make that clear. Uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's a charismatic man. But yeah, I think genuinely that these songs, um, that they lack uh, impact as a recorded thing. But I think this would be great to see live. Some of the tracks off here, which I think he, they have become part of his live set, and he does, you know, do them. I've heard he's quite. A, I've heard he's quite a raconteur, like not in terms of telling big stories, but he's very. He'll go off on segues, and he'll he'll talk to the audience quite a lot, and he'll tell jokes or funny little anecdotes, whether they're real or surreal. Yeah. Um, so I yeah I imagine I can picture all of this yeah. in some form of gig, but. In a small gig in a small place. Yes, yes. I think I think probably the material best suits that kind of setting. Can you I can't really Ri- Richard Dawson Stadium gig. Yeah, I can't see it oh, at Wembley God. at all. <laughs> yeah. yeah, some some people don't fit giant spaces. Yeah. yeah. Um, even if you think oh, well, there was one, I went to a latitude or latitude uh, one year, and um, Joanna Newsom was playing in the middle of the day because she had to fly off. And it was about midday, 12 o'clock maybe, on a Sunday. And <laughs> I got there, and I was really excited. And she was trying out new stuff, and she kept forgetting the words. And about halfway through, I realized, I looked around, I thought, oh, my God, I'm just in a circle, in a, in a clump of maybe 40, 30 to 40-year-old men. And most of the men are shouting things like, go on, Joanna, you can do it. I'm thinking this is the most patronizing thing ever. <laughs> um, but the sound... The sound, and I've seen her, I saw her live at the Barbican. It was one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. But the sound in a big field <laughs> didn't really work. And you felt that there were times she wanted to do something a bit more uh, personal mm. musically. The bits that you would lean in, you know, if you're yeah. in a venue and everyone goes, you lean in. And she, I don't think she could do that. And I can't imagine, I can't imagine, uh, I was going to say Dawkins, I can't imagine Dawson would be able to. Dawson opening for Ed Sheeran at Wembley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> um, Nicks. Yeah. Nicks. Any Nicks? Nicks. <laughs> no, but no, I think Nicks. It's, it's an interesting <laughs> point of comparison, though, isn't it? To sort of think about it as this is quite, it's quite intimate music. It, it does call to be listened to in a, in a small space. And that's, that's interesting. But um, yeah, I mean, this, this album, taken in the context of, of the whole sequence of albums, it feels a little bit to me like this is, this is like Richard Dawson deconstructed because you've got like the acapella ones and then you've got the ones that are just sort of these guitar numbers and, and it almost alternates, doesn't it, throughout the album between him doing vocal stuff and him doing guitar bothering, but never at the same time. And um, I, 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 for me, it, it kind of works, but it's still, it's not, it's not peak Dawson for me. But it's definitely well on the way to it. And there are some, I mean, have we, have we even mentioned Poor Old Horse yet? I think we Ooh, have to mention such, Poor Old Horse. Such oh an God. incredible oh song. Yeah. Um, and, and, and also the, um, the Ghost of a Tree is terrifying, I think. The kind of the vocal stuff going on in that, that kind of chills me to the bone. Um, I, so, you know, there's a lot of really, really great stuff going on. But I think it, you're right. It, it doesn't go... Yeah, and I think deconstruct. I think you're right with the word deconstruct. Uh, you know, oh, you're on MasterChef, and they go, "Here's a deconstructed apple pie. Here's some apple. Here's some pastry." No, I want them together. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> and, and yeah, so there's some nice guitar. There's some nice acapella. Can we just? Try? But also, like the way he talks about in in interviews and things, I think that Zoe may have quoted about um, how he was discovering how to sing or or finding finding his way to sing that was natural to him and i find that really interesting because yeah there is at times where it's almost like um it's like he's a guy who can't sing but singing with so much passion and feeling that it really doesn't matter at all and like i know i can't sing so i massively identify with that (laughs) just you know um there's something really almost quite beautiful about it like the moments that when when one song it's joe the quilt maker his voice just gives out completely just just reduced to a croak you know, mid midline and things like that, that that make it quite powerfully affecting to listen to um and i sort of imagine the whole thing being a, a kind of how you might sing if you were absolutely certain you were alone probably somewhere in northumberland on, on a walking up a fell or something you can't see anybody anywhere and you decide to have a little sing that's how you might um, do it yesterday we, we were listening to um uh, i can't remember which podcast it was uh, um uh richard herring interviewing johnny vegas and johnny okay. vegas was telling a story about how he was at a working men's club with his mum. like he was a bit older he'd gone back and it was his turn to get up and sing something i can't remember the exact song and he thought i can't sing the only thing i can do is belt it out with as much gusto as is humanly possible and and style it out that way and he said he did that he felt quite proud of himself and his mum went Sit down. <laughs> Sit down. <laughs> um, Nick, Nick T. Um, you said you had some... I haven't asked you a question about this. this. <laughs> no, no, just, just go. Um, uh, yeah. Um, uh, what was I going to say? Yeah, uh, I, think, I think what's really interesting about this album to me is that, you know, for all the kind of... We can debate... Uh, for hours about like is Richard Dawson a folk artist? This this album to me is kind of the his the quintessential Richard Dawson can be described as a folk artist album because for a number of reasons you know you've got the there's 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 the uh, th- there's 
there's the sense of the kind of the oral tradition of passing down stories um and and how that's connected with the fact that it was that this album was tied into originally a kind of an archival project with a with a museum um he almost kind of plays up to the this sort of ye olde folk kind of bardian element you know in the in the very in the very first song um you know he's using words like floweth and thou and like it's it you know it's almost sort of a, an exaggerated version of 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 a, him being like right i'm gonna this is me being a, a a folk a folk singer quote unquote now um and and things like where and like poor poor old horse this idea of just sort of this the opening lines are kind of this almost gather round and let me tell you this let me tell you this tale kind of thing um but also just that in his in his delivery you know it sounds like uh to me it sounded not like not so much like the the, the way that you'd sing if you were kind of alone atop a mountain it it sounds like the the bloke at a like old folk pub who just everyone everyone's been like playing their fiddles and it's been a bit and it's been a bit raucous and then this and then and then the, the, the one this one guy who's been at this pub for years but has never really done anything just suddenly just starts <laughs> he just he's all he does is just sit in the corner nursing his pint all night and then suddenly half he pint, just half pint, pint sorry half yeah pint. yeah and then he just suddenly starts belting out this belting out this tragic song um about you know about horses and ghosts and 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 murdered quilt makers and you just and and the whole pub is just sort of reduced to this reverent silence um this kind of beauty of it um and uh yeah and so that's the sort of sense that i get from it is that it is just kind of a, a this this really raw um just basic idea of just like i'm i'm of just telling a story and wanting to get the and wanting to get these words out by any kind of means really um and uh and i just found yeah i just found it all very powerful and and moving um yeah yeah i think i, I think the word story as well I, I, even though this album might not be peak dawson uh it's where we first i first properly noticed it's the storytelling as in each of them are becoming individual short stories that if you read in a book, totally removed, deconstructed from the music, you'd still go, wow, that's a really powerful short story or bit of prose. They're all about things. They're little vignettes of, of life that ring so true that you can picture a lot of these scenes. Um, I've got some references I'm going to hold off till the next episode, um, but I'm going to go over to Zoe about this. I mean, in terms of, yeah, I just want to. Yeah, I just want to. Okay, put a pin in that one. We'll talk. We'll come back to that. But I just want to talk about the the language that he uses and and how yeah there is a connection to folk. But I think actually what he was trying to do is tell the stories of the what was in the archives. It would be, it 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 would kind of lose something if he was using modern language to tell these stories. So I think that was probably a stylistic choice. I mean, I could be wrong. I don't know, but. I think if he wanted to accurately, he's gone down into the archives. He's reading all these stories of everyday people from the past. He kind of has to use that kind of language in order to convey the things that were happening, especially if he's drawing directly from text. So I, I think there was probably a conscious decision to do that. 
And also the thing about bardic tradition where, you know, the, the bards would go around and, and sing the stories of the, the town just down the road so that information was passed. And I, I really get sense of that, that he's doing that, that he's telling these stories in that kind of bardic tradition. I mean, I know bugger all about it, but I have an instinct. It does sound lovely. That, sorry, it does sound lovely that, that in the past people would turn up and go, oh, down the road, this is happening. Whereas now people would turn up and go, obviously into my hometown, so this is a very local reference. West Bromwich is shit. Don't go there. There's a Greg's. Don't go to West Bromwich. It's shit. I mean, that's what you'd get now. Sorry, yeah. people from West Bromwich, but uh, uh, you don't really have a city centre. Um, Nick? No, so I was just going to say, I like how he does, as well as employing this like, really traditional language that, that as you say, Zoe, is, is in keeping with, uh, with wanting to tell the, the, these old stories. You know, he also, he, he slips in lines about falling arse over tit um, halfway through the, the final track as well. So he still manages to get these slightly more contemporary colloquialisms in mm-hmm. there that kind of, that, that, bring it, that, that bring it all back to um, writing in his own voice, really. Um, and yeah, I, I, find, I find that sort of thing really, really great. Yeah, like he says, uh, asshole of the world," doesn't he? In in yeah, yeah. a tree, which is always refreshing yeah. to hear a line. Oh, like that. there are there are some lyrics that come later that literally stopped me in the street. I, I stopped dead when, <laughs> and an old lady went, "Asshole." <laughs> uh, I was like, no, 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 I'm like, I'm fine. Don't worry about it. Um, there were literally some things that did stop me dead in my tracks. Um, okay. We are going to move on to Nothing Important, the album, not my, my sentiment, uh, which I would say is, is when we start to get proper experimental sounds wrong because it sounds like he's deliberately being experimental, but something different. Oh, oh, uh, oh before oh, yes. we move on, Rodri. Rodri's on, on the glass trunk. Oh, on the glass trunk. Okay. Yeah. yeah, Rodri's yeah. in there. So we've got to mention him because he, he I think he's quite important as far as um sort of building up the sound and he yeah. he's a nice counterpoint to the, you know like richard's avant-garde guitar playing because he's like an avant-garde harpist which i think is great i think it's brilliant and i love is all he, those is sounds. he on all the dawson albums from here on in um he's on he's on oh, i don't know if he's on nothing important but I, he's definitely on peasant mm. not sure if he's on 2020 that he might be mm. and of course he's in he's um, in Pon- yeah. yeah okay i mean i i, I don't know I, I think for me nothing important is is where we hit what we, I, I don't know if i call it peak richard dawson because what comes after is so interesting and uh, as well but it was definitely the moment where i had a kind of my richard dawson epiphany when i was listening to this like i just i just totally fell in love with the whole universe that he's creating and I think following on from what we were talking about on the glass trunk with the the idea of storytelling is um, that literary side of Richard Dawson really comes to the fore on this album. Like you've got two long tracks that are with, well, two long tracks that have words, I guess. But they're um, you know you talk about like vignettes, you and it's like that whole thing where he tells the story of a life not lived through just little portraits. It's incredible and really powerful. Um, and and I think that's that's one of his biggest strengths. Uh, is is Richard Dawson as uh, you know? It's, it's a word I think we probably all cringe slightly to use, but he's he's a poet. He could yeah. you can read you can read his lyrics on the page and and think, wow, that's really powerful stuff. Um, I was going to leave this to the next episode, but it, I, I, it's a perfect bit. Um, Daniel Kitson, 
He is Daniel Kitson. Um, Dan- Zoe's looking puzzled at me, either because you don't know who Daniel Kitson. Okay, Daniel Kitson. You, if you're not in the UK, you won't know him because he never does telly. Um, he, he he was briefly in like a sitcom years ago. He hated the experience so much. Um, you can buy or stream a couple of live shows from his site. Um, he's considered to be the comedian's comedian, but he's not a comedian. He tells stories. He tells these wonderful. He totally gets. You believe this is his, the character that he's telling this story of. And a lot of the language I've heard from Dawson over the albums, I'm like, oh no, this this could come straight out of Daniel Kitson's mouth. Um, he is he is I would consider to be a poet. He did a show last year about lockdown where he just read off post-it notes and told these little stories about his life during lockdown. And none of it was sort of big and grandiose. It was like getting obsessed with the kid who's in the street with the other kids, but that kid doesn't come from this street. You know, yes, just the, the little yes. details of yeah. life. Yeah. And, and it was all from now, right up until the stuff in next episode, um, with one album's exception. I was like, this is Daniel Kitson. And I mean that in, 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 in the best possible way, yeah. as in I think Daniel Kitson is a genius uh, that surpasses, transcends his box, I guess. Um, and yeah, so for me, the whole storytelling and the vignettes and the believing this story that he has no right to, to be able to paint so well because he's not that He's not this person. Yeah, so, uh, musicians generally can't do this. Yeah, yeah. Well, they write they, a song. You go, oh, yeah, it's a good song, but you don't. You don't totally buy into this little poem or little bit of prose and go, "Oh yeah, I, I tot- I can picture that." Yeah, or, or whatever. I, I think, think um, Kate. Kate. Sorry. Um, who is the Kate the, Tempest? The, is it Kate, Kate Tempest? Tempest. Yeah. I think she does. A, I think there's a. She does it in a very in a different way, but she is able to paint proper contemporary pictures and non-contemporary as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think you've you've hit upon that thing where he's just he's doing something more with the medium of song than most people do. He's taking it a step further, isn't he? He's turning it into something else and something very powerful and literary and you know, something that really genuinely makes you think about it after you finish hearing the song. Now, don't get me wrong, I I, I love, you know, Dua Lipa's album last year. I loved that. But I'm not going to spend like a week thinking about the lyrics of Levitating. You know, I love it. It's a bop. Me and my daughter, we have, you know, amazing moments singing it with each other and to each other. But it just doesn't have the the impact of, you know, a Richard Dawson song. And, and yes. I, I, I mean, Aaron Troy White, who comes on quite, uh, the pod quite regularly, he has stated quite clearly he's not a lyrics guy. For him, the vocal is an instrument. And I think, yes, yeah, sometimes, absolutely. Sometimes some of my favorite songs lyrically are shocking. But then sometimes, again, with Jeffrey Lewis, who was on the, the show, writes such good words and such good little couplets and plays around with the language that you're, you're like, yeah, I, I, I want to read this. I, I don't understand why most kids these days, they go, oh, but my music app also has lyrics. I don't, I don't want lyrics. Sometimes I really... I. This was the first time in a long time listening to uh, 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 Dawson stuff that I did go and Google the lyrics. And I never, I never did that. Yeah, he's... Um, yeah, um, me too. That's an aside, though. I, I found this album really difficult. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. This, this, this was my problem album. Why? Um, I, I think it's because I'm very simple. And I like short-ish... Uh, nicely contained things that I can go, 
oh, that's nice. And occasionally finish the album with 10 minutes. And I go, I go yeah, this is amazing. I'm fully invested. Um, there was a lot of long and bit and house. I don't know Dawson enough. And I think this album is an album I might love six months down the line. Uh, on a week where I listened to nothing but Richard Dawson, um, there were some albums I listened to several times, multiple times. Uh, this one I found, a bit, I, I tried to put it on again. I swear. Oh, okay, time. but it's only 44 minutes long, Ewan. That's the shortest one. Hang on a minute. Are we listening to the same album? But yeah, no, fair enough. I think it's down to yeah. structure. Yeah. yeah. But that's it. It's the um, previous <laughs> regular listeners will know that sometimes I go, oh, God, it's a 20 minute song. And I can get, sometimes that's amazing. And sometimes, but it's usually an artist I'm invested in that I'll go with that. Um, again, I, I hate to keep using the same references. Uh, Joanna Newsom has made some albums with four or five tracks on, and it took me a while. Um, okay. yeah. It does take me a while. I think this is, this is the most impenetrable album, mm-hmm. um, in, that, in a positive or a negative way. Uh, other albums dra- dragged me in uh, or sucked me in immediately, or I was there, or two or three tracks in, I was in. This one, I sort of struggled a bit. Uh, it was almost like he'd gone, okay, next stage of Dawson, and sort of went full Dawson, and I was, I found it hard. I, not saying I didn't like it. There was definitely some lovely moments in there, uh, which is the one about where he gets injured on a school trip. Yeah, the vile stuff. Vile stuff. That's incredible. Yeah, I just, think that yeah. is out of sight. I can't yeah, say yeah. enough Brilliant. superlatives to describe that <laughs> song. I mean, I I must have heard it. I don't know. I remember how long ago now, but I will still go and listen to that, you know, pretty much once a week, for sure. It's incredible. So. It's insane. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, like I said, I just I found it more. Di- I found it the most inaccessible to get into. But that's also <laughs> it's the things I like. It's what's accessible to me. It takes me a while to get into. If you're doing a big track, I either know you or you get me right away. Sure. Or I, it, I'm six months down the line. Yeah. I'll come back. Yeah. Um, Nick's are looking like they sort of go, yeah, 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 politely, but I disagree. <laughs> no, I mean, I think if um, if some if someone was to say like, oh, I really, I've never heard Richard Dawson before. Where should I start? I definitely wouldn't. I definitely wouldn't yeah. say start at nothing important. As 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 amazing as I think it is, um, you know, unless I was sure that what they were really into was like big squeaky. Squelchy guitars and and uh, yeah and and sort of kind of yeah epic poems set to set to impenetrable sounds. I I wouldn't I I wouldn't turn them onto this album as a, as a starting point. Um, but I I think I think what's what was interesting to me about this about this album was that I think it's fair to say that it is definitely his most uh, autobiographical. Um, in every other. Uh, in every other album, he's either you know, well, he's either setting, going on settings of like 400 AD, or he's um, or he's telling these little vignettes of uh, of British life, like like we'll get to in the in the next episode. Um, but I mean, he has basically gone on record and said that the that a huge a huge part of the vile stuff is lifted directly from his life, hasn't he? Um, yeah. Uh, and 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 the title track as well, which directly. Uh, deals with the the tragic story of uh, his uh, of his of his sibling that um, that passed away after a week. 
Um, so I think, yeah, I don't, I don't know what that says, that this is this one album where he decides to put so much of himself out there and never really does it again or before. Um, I, don't, I don't know what we, what we think about that. I think that's also. I mean, we've we've talked before on this pod about how, like, yeah, by album three, bands have run out of stuff to sing about. Like the first, the first album is usually about their life and how difficult their life is, maybe, and then they get the second one might be about love and relationships. The third one is usually about record executives, and then <laughs> yeah. by the fourth one, they've got nothing to do. He seems to have taken a couple of albums, then sang about his own life, and then he goes and sings about other people's lives. Like, there's there's a conscious. This is the one. This is the one about me. I'm moving on yeah. <laughs> and talk about yeah. other people. Well, it's, it's in Rather places, it's quite, I mean, you could argue that it's quite a harrowing album and maybe it was just yeah, too yeah. painful. It was just not a mode he could stay in, really. He did it, he put it out there and, uh, you know, it's quite a powerful thing to listen to. But once, once that was done, it's kind of like, right, I'm moving on from that now. That's, uh, but at the same time, I think him as the storyteller has come, was totally starting to come together. But up until this point, you've still got this almost like alternate, this is my... This is my uh, bit where I tell a story, and this is me just with the guitar. And he, it seems to be, it doesn't get to the ne- next album where he works out how to put all that together in one coherent thing. This feels like his, if he was a comedian, um, this feels like his Edinburgh Fringe breakout show that everybody goes, oh my God, I came out crying. Uh, but he's, he's not winning the award. He's not winning the Perrier or whatever that is. Um, he's, get, he's getting loads of good reviews, and he comes back, with a proper show next year, but this is the one where he's sitting there going, my life <laughs> to everybody in a small, <laughs> small room in Edinburgh. I think people definitely started to take notice after this, like proper, he started to get, you know, the usual kind of, because, um, you know, let's be honest, that this is not going to be on Radio 1, but there are definitely uh, music journalists and people who go to live shows and things like that who was really starting to say, hey, this guy's pretty special. You should check him out. And what year was this, more or less? 2014. Okay. Yeah, so can I quote one of the lyrics before we move on? Because I yeah. love this. There's a bit where he goes, my neighbour Andrew lost two figure, fingers to a staffy cross whilst jogging over Cow Hill with a pepper army in his bum bag. He's a junior partner at James and James, no win, no fee solicitor, thinking of relocating to a Buddhist monastery in Halifax. I mean, like, how do you put that into a song and make it sound so fucking good? I mean, Um, it just sounds so good. Yeah. But also, again, that could be Daniel Kitson. This is what stunned me out the whole thing. Daniel, if that was in, if that was in, because a lot of his, a lot of his shows, he's done comedy shows, but a lot of them are a story. Yeah. Either he find he finds some letters in a loft and he's reading yeah, so he's telling the story of the letters or these these tapes, he's found all these lost tapes and he creates his story from that. And his wordplay and his storytelling, oh, everything we we're talking about with Dawson and Kitson, there isn't it, this is maybe a a very British way of telling a story, I don't know. But um the two of them seem to be soulmates uh, a lot of the time, particularly in this sort of uh, vignette of, of of actual life of, of you know life in Yorkshire or Bradford or Hull or Somerset. You know. I, I don't think a lot of people do touch upon that. Mm. This is probably a good time to wrap up uh, this episode of Richard Dawson, and I hope 
uh, those of you listening at home are intrigued enough to know where we go next, um, please come back. It's worth it. Um, thank you very much for everything today. Uh, Nick, T- Nick T, Nick Taylor of My Teenage Nick. <laughs> Brilliant. Thanks so much for having me. <laughs> and, and Zoe, um, well, thank you as ever and see you in the next episode. Indeed. Bye. 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 first time I heard Dawson's Nothing Important, it was in the depths of winter and at the height of the second wave of the pandemic. I was walking in an unfamiliar part of the city and it was so cold I was worried the sheen of condensation on my glasses might turn to ice. I could barely see. If I'm blindsided by an unseen trolley bus, I thought, these are the guitar squalls to which I'll die. Would that be so bad? The soundtrack is cinematic. The light is good. And so my soul ascends to the final track. Oh, piss off! Since when have you had a soul? Yes, yes, in a voice that contails me from these flights of fancy. But look, it's called Doubting Thomas. How apt to tune for when a wretched atheist dies and we see his soul ascend. Well, not see exactly. I'm not that kind of imaginary filmmaker. It's more a slow upward camera tilt. The sky is cloudless. Just a vast expanse of entirely made up souls. Up they bloody well go. Yeah, Richard Dawson brings out the worst in me. But thank you for indulging us for what I felt was an important episode about an artist I want everybody to enjoy. And if you did enjoy it, please consider showing us some support, whether it's via our Patreon at patreon.com slash tempfans, or just leaving a review, subscribing, or telling people about what we do. It just remains for me to thank everybody. Zoe Von Hess for our excellent introductions, Nick Taylor of My Teenage Band for joining us for the group discussion, I've said it before, but My Teenage Band is an excellent podcast, and you should go and listen to it. Thanks to my grandiloquent co-host Ewan for chairing the discussion and editing the show together. And to Jonathan Fisher for our exquisite theme music. And you for listening. Join us next week for Richard Dawson Part 2, which will also include his gorgeous alt-pop side project, Hen Oglev. Until then, I'm Nick Hilditch, and I found a pair of clogs in the lane, some drops of blood where they had lain, and following the breadcrumbs I came upon the dreadful remains of Joe the Quiltmaker. <laughs>